Welcome to Private Club Radio, the industry's first and only program dedicated to education, news, events, trends and announcements. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. So excited to be here with you today, and we have an incredible guest. We're joined by Greg Patterson, prolific speaker and writer about the private club industry, and of course, general manager of the Beach Club for 33 years. He just recently graced the cover of Club Management Magazine as the 2015 Club Executive of the Year. If you've ever met Greg, you know he has a dynamic personality, and his stage presence is larger than life. You can hear the passion he has for the private club industry in every word he speaks. He's so passionate, you might almost think it's an act, but I can assure you it's not. He's a man who's on fire, on fire for something he loves, and it shows through. Now, if you've never met Greg, here's a quick anecdote that will give you an idea of who Greg Patterson is. I saw him recently at the CMAA National Conference, but I didn't see Greg on stage or in an expo booth or at the lunch table. I came into the room of an educational session happening on a Sunday night before the conference kicked off. The room was packed to see Dick Coplin, who you can actually hear on episode two of this show, and his partner, Kurt Keebler. Sitting on the floor, I see Greg, who's got a notebook in his hands, and he's furiously taking notes. That's right, the guy who's literally on the cover of the magazine, who's probably seen just about everything there is to see, who's been managing clubs for 33 years, who's been delivering keynotes around the world, is sitting on the floor soaking it all in. Absolutely amazing. Greg has self-described his time in the private club industry as a love fest. Now that term might scare some of you, but we'll get to the bottom of what Greg means by that. During the interview, we'll explore what a general manager needs to do to inspire and instill loyalty in their staff and in their board, and what Greg thinks is the hardest part of the club business. We also discuss what he thinks you should look for when hiring the right staff for your club. All that and more when we come back. Are you searching for members? Are you looking to drive revenue to every department of your club? With Course Driver, you can. Course Driver is a custom smartphone application designed specifically for your club. With an app from Course Driver, members and guests will have accurate GPS, tea time booking, satellite weather, scoring, handicap tracking, and even the ability to order food and drinks right from their phone. But the real power of Course Driver is its messaging system. With Course Driver, you can send announcements to members and reach back out to guests with special offers. Visit CourseDriver.com to schedule your demo today. This episode of Private Club Radio Show is brought to you by Wildstyle Media, an award-winning media firm and a leader in high-end audio and video production. Wildstyle Media offers full-service media production, post-production, and creative solutions for your company or brand. Contact us today at wildstylemedia.net or call 813-358-6588 today. And welcome back to the show. Now, before we bring on Greg, there are three conferences that you need to think about attending this year. 
First from the National Club Association, their National Club Conference is happening in Chicago on May 19th through the 21st. For more information, visit nationalclub.org. And the Association of Club Catering Professionals is having their national conference in Nashville, Tennessee, August 28th through the 30th. Visit theaccp.com to learn more. And the Professional Club Marketing Association's National Conference is being held September 19th and 20th in Kansas City. Visit askpcma.com for more info. All three of those conferences are going to be excellent. They have a great lineup of speakers. and I definitely recommend you check them out. So without further ado, it's time to bring on Greg Patterson. Greg became the general manager of the Beach Club in 1982 and spent 33 years as their GM. Prior to the Beach Club, he was the assistant general manager of the Bel Air Country Club in Los Angeles and also worked as a systems analyst for the U.S. Army Club System. Greg has been a featured presenter at various club management seminars, assistant manager conferences, and hospitality forums around the world. He's a senior associate with Kapoor & Kapoor Hospitality Consultants, where he teaches certification courses in leadership and marketing for the Asian American Hotel Owners Association. Greg served as adjunct professor in the Collins School of Hospitality Management at Cal Poly Pomona for 14 years. He currently teaches at various business management institute programs and is a visiting professor at two universities in India. He's spoken to club management classes and associations at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Cornell, and the University of Houston. Greg writes a monthly column for Boardroom Magazine, and he's been honored as the 2002 Gary Player Private Club Educator of the Year Award by Boardroom Magazine. He was named the Club Executive of the Year in 2015 by the Club Managers Association of America, and he received the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Asian Pacific Hospitality Summit in 2015. Here's my interview with Greg two days after his last day at the Beach Club. All right, this is a family show, Greg, but you've described your 33 years as manager in the private club industry as a love fest. Can you explain what you mean by that? Absolutely. Love fest on a couple of different levels. First of all, with the membership, uh, I I just obviously care deeply about them as individuals. Uh, By way of example, I've married, uh, I've been officiant at 61 weddings at the beach club that I personally handle, you know, people I've known, and about 20 funerals. So uh, obviously when you talk about love, uh, that's the start of the journey and the end of the journey. I'm very, very close to the staff. Uh, As a matter of fact, on the uh, Celebrate the Journey week, weekend uh, on the uh, handing over of the keys ceremony, the entire staff all came through and gave me a hug. So you've got like 60 people going through and one thing the next, and it's all quite moving. Uh, so that's on the, on, the, on the people side, on the staff side and the member side. Uh, and I really care about them, and I think that that, that feeling is, has been reciprocated over the years. But I think for most managers, one of the difficulties they have is uh, having, a, if you will, a love fest with their board of directors. And I've always had that. Uh, I think one of the reasons is that uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good at what you call the nudge. Uh, I know how to uh, speak well, and so I, I call it the yap, and I, I write well, and so I call that the scribble. So I've been able to influence them in a direction that they really needed to go in and sometimes they didn't even know about. I, I've been a great follower of the board as well. I'm their researcher of choice. I'm their great chump, trumpet when I'm out in the 
the, the community and the beach club community. Uh, obviously, their their positions I trumpet to uh, everyone else. Um, obviously, I'm I'm big into communication and open uh, communications uh, at at all times about everything. So the board is, and particularly my president, have been 100% aware of everything. So it's it's been a love fest on every level, the the, the staff level, uh, the member level, uh, and uh, the board level and, and committees. I, I have to love committees. I, I the opportunity to sit in a room with 10 of the brightest people in the United States and have two hours of intense, substantive dialogue, it, it's a joy. It fills me. And one of the reasons I, I give you as well that it's been a love fest is that my why in life is to meet interesting people with whom I can have substantive conversations, which will enlarge my journey. So therefore, it's been a love fest because the people at the Beach Club are those interesting people, and so we've had a great relationship. So anyway, it's been, it's been fabulous. A lot of emotion, a lot of tears, a uh, great, great journey. When I've seen you speak or MC, you have this incredible enthusiasm. I think we can hear it from across the phone line right now. It's contagious, right? So what advice can you give managers to inspire their staff? Well, well, the first, to, to, first of all, uh, I would say there are three things that every manager's got to have. If you're going to inspire people, uh, one, you've got to have a big happy. I mean, I'm just a happy guy. Maybe I'm so dumb that I'm happy. Uh, but my rebound position, because we all get beat up every now and then, is too happy. And I've got the gift of spreading happy, if you will. So that's the first thing. Second thing, uh, a manager to inspire staff over the years has to have big love. I mean, they've got to love the hospitality business. They've got to love the club niche within the hospitality, which is about long-term relationships. they got to love the type of club they're at. I, I'm at a family club uh, that's always been that, where women are highly valued, that people laugh a lot. you got to love the club niche you're in. you got to love the type of members you have. Mine are uber bright, uh, hugely successful, as they are in most private clubs like ours. And, and they're very open. They want a dialogue. They want more from a manager than the functional mechanical side of the equation. It, it, they want what I call the poetry, you know, and then they're going to love the staff. And, and I, I, I like people, so I think that's one of the things. And the third thing to inspire people, they just have to have a genuine love of hospitality. They just want to do nice things for people and, 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 and to help people in whatever way they can. And that's the first thing. So it's easy to inspire other people. Now, to inspire committees as well as boards and everything else, uh, there are three things that I say that you have to have. One, you have to have a deep knowledge of whatever it is you're doing. I can be a dancing monkey, but what comes before everything is that deep knowledge of the business. Secondly, you got to really love the, the business that you're in and, and obviously the knowledge you have. But the third thing, and maybe this is the most important thing about inspiring staff and members and, and guests, is that you've got to be able to channel the love. Uh, and it's interesting, a lot of people who know clubs inside and out do not have the love. They cannot channel the love. And I think that's a big thing. Put me in front of like, like 1,100 people <laughs> just the other day on Saturday. You have 1,100 people there, and your job is to give them the buzz, right? that energy transfer. But you got to feel it yourself. You cannot manufacture it. And I think staff know that. And, uh, you know, as, as, as everybody has always said, uh, enthusiasm is more effective than efficiency. So I'm an enthusiastic guy because I've got big love, I've got big happy, and I've got big hospitality. And the business side, I could do the business side really well, but that's not what people remember. They will remember your passion and the poetry with which you express it.
anyway, that's the whole people side of the equation. It makes sense. But if, if you don't have that naturally, like if it's not your personality to be that really uber outgoing guy, enthusiastic guy, how do you, how do you, what advice would you give to folks to kind of maybe work on that muscle or train well, that, the, train the that thing, skill? The first thing is you've got to have competence presence. That's, that's the first thing. Uh, without competence, you'll never make it. No, you can be a dancing monkey. Everybody can love you. Uh, as a president one time told me, Greg, you make us millions, so we accept that you're a dancing monkey. But if you were just a dancing monkey and you didn't make us money, we probably wouldn't have as much enthusiasm <laughs> for you. Right. So it, when you ask, okay, how can a person develop that? First of all, I'd say every manager must know how to boost their IQ. And their IQ is their IQ is their interesting quotient. I think one of the reasons why I've had success is that I have a high IQ. That is an interesting question. It's not that I'm that clever, but people find me interesting. One of the things that I have to do, if, if I'm going to tell a manager, look, you've got to develop these things, dude. First of all, you've got to have deep curiosity, just about everybody and everything, because people love curious people. If you walk up to a member and say, God, I understand you were just in France. What part of France were you in? All of a sudden, you become a wonderful person. So curiosity is the first thing. So the next thing is, I, I tell managers, you've got to read more. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid they're too narrow. They look at their, their, their cell phone or whatever that stupid thing is they carry with them. <laughs> read more and read more widely. I mean, I ask them, what novels have you read? What, what, what histories have you read? reading. I mean, what magazines do you read? The Economist on a weekly basis. Do you read the Wall Street Journal every day? Do you read the local newspaper every day? And do you read the, the, uh, the New York Times at least on Sunday? You know, it, it, do you read a lot? Next thing I tell people, you, you, if you want to get the buzz, you've got to be interesting. You've got to travel more, travel more widely, uh, and not just go to Hawaii and lay on the beach. Go to Zimbabwe, <laughs> hunt the great white buffalo. Uh, find yourself in Thailand and Chiang Mai or Chiang Ro and, and, and explore. Do interesting things. Last thing I'd say to people, and, and I tell them all the time, you've got to find an interest, a network of interesting people, because you will never be more interesting or more enthused than the people you circle yourself with. And the, and the biggest killer is that if, if you know people who are bitchers and moaners, uh, you know, stay away from them, because it is infectious. You will never be more than the community of people you surround yourself with. I like to say, show me your network and I'll show you your future. So interesting people. So first of all, if you're just interested in life and you do the things I talk, you read, you travel, you talk to interesting people. And the last thing you should do is reflect more. Interesting people reflect more. They, they, they write more. Uh, they, they, they look more deeply into their experience. So if a manager is, first of all, competence is job one. You can learn that. That's the easiest thing in our business is the business side of the business. The toughest side of our business is the people side of the business. That's why I say when, when I look at people, I say, look, there are two things you've got to master. You've got to master the machinery. That's the foundation. But if you don't master the poetry, the people side of the equation, you're going to be in serious bad shape. So there are things a person can do uh, once they've been given a direction and say, okay, let's like I love to mentor people. Okay, what are you reading? And then we go through that, and I can show them how if they only read a chapter a week and they talk to me as a person who wants to go deeper into it, 
they're going to be a lot more interested than members. When they go to that board meeting, they'll be more interesting. When they're in the committee meeting, they will energize that group of people. They might know the business, but if you don't know the poetry, you're in serious trouble. Anyway, hopefully that explains. Oh, that's great advice. That's, that's excellent. Let's talk about loyalty. You seem to instill a lot of loyalty in the people that have worked for you. So how do you, how, what advice do you have for other managers who want to instill loyalty in their team? Well, well first of all, you got to understand the principles of loyalty, not just with staff, but I guess with your wife or your husband, but also with members. What, what are people looking for when they're searching for loyalty? First thing they're looking for is, do you know me, right? Do you know me as an individual and as a market segment? By way of example, if I have a busboy, right? The busboy might be, uh, grew up originally in Guatemala, has been living here for the last 20 years or whatever it might be. So do I understand a young immigrant from Guatemala? That's a macro way of, do you know me? But also, do you know them individually? Do you know their name? Do you know, uh, you know what sort of schooling they've got? Do you know them on a personal level, what their passions are? So. Knowing me is the first thing. Next thing is, if you want loyalty from staff or members, you've got to know what their expectations are by way of example. I have dishwashers that have been with me for 15 years. Wow. And, and, and one of the reasons is you give them dignity, right? What do people want? They want to be appreciated. They want to be rewarded. I mean, they want to feel what they're doing is meaningful. So expectations. What do people want? If somebody just wants money, then you, you'll never win that ball game. But if what you want is to be part of a team trying to achieve something special, that's huge. So what are the expectations? Don't want that. With my members, what they want is a personal relationship, a substantive relationship with the person who's the general manager. They don't just want somebody who can do inventory. They want somebody who can talk about the principles of a successful marriage. So expectations. The next thing is, do you make their life better? I mean, do, a busboy, you're at a monthly all-staff meeting, you know, and they stand up and they have to introduce themselves, and we all do the primal scream and one thing or the next. Do you make their life better in some way? Uh, now, it could be the benefits package you have, I mean, as an employee. Yeah, do you make it better? Do you make it better just when they feel good about themselves, that they have dignity and status in a world that tries to rob it from them? So do you make their life better as a member? When they come down, Say, I'm in an environment where we deliver the buzz, the love, and the glow. And the glow is about humor. I mean, our club is filled with laughter, and I go into clubs all over the world, they haven't got it. So do you make a person's life better? You've got to have a template for what does better mean. The next thing is, do you make my life easier, right? Do you make it easy to be loyal, to stay in the club? Do you make my life easier as a member, do you, uh, to make a dinner reservation, to, to create a relationship with other members, uh, to uh, take advantage? of the goods, services, programs, and facilities that you have as a club? Do you make them easier? And, and lastly, do you do it differently than they can get it someplace else? Why would an employee at dishwasher work for me for 15 years when you can go down to the local hotel and do the same thing? It's because we do it different than they do it anyplace else. Why do members, we only get 15 new members a year, 15 a year out of 650 members. And it's because the only reason there's an opening, they die. <laughs> and, and you ask yourself, why does a 95-year-old woman, and we have like over 125 members who are over 80 years old, they haven't been on the beach in years. What are they looking for, right? We, what we do differently is we give them, again, the buzz, the love, and the glow. And, and you know, I hear these people talk about their, 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 their golf courses and their swimming pools, and I just I, I sit back and say, yeah, 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 those can be good. 
But if they don't create the two things that I think are absolutely fundamental to loyalty, staff loyalty and member loyalty, is, is obviously dignity and status. Do you give them those two things, and do you emphasize that uh, you know, every time you connect with them and every time you develop that relationship? What's your litmus test then to kind of find those rock star employees that have the right motivation? Well, the, the difficulty is you're always my, – my big thing, my litmus test is, first of all, are they happy people? <laughs> that, that's one thing. <laughs> Secondly, the same three criteria I use. Uh, so you interview somebody. You can tell within two minutes if somebody's a happy person. And if you can't, you're just, you haven't observed the human condition. Uh, secondly, you know, do they have a love of the business? You can say, why are you in the hospitality business? Why are you in hotels or clubs or whatever? And you can tell in one minute. If they're in it, well, it's a job, and I didn't have to have any skill set in order to get into it. Uh, you can tell right off the bat. Sure. And 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 lastly, is do they have do they have this big love not only for the business but for hospitality? I give an example. When you're in, you're, you're going to interview an employee, right? Leave them in the lobby so they're observed by your front desk, and they sit there. Have them tell you and say, oh, the, the, the meeting's been delayed for 15 minutes, and what they're doing is observing. And you have people walk by them. Do they make eye contact with them? Do they say hello to those people? It, it's very simple, right? Yep. So all of a sudden you find out. Next, before you come into your office, because certainly my office is down an alleyway, so you, you can't see it from the lobby where you'd be seeing, put a napkin on the ground, a paper napkin on the ground, and then you bring them in, see if they pick it up. Nice. So you'll find out if they have hospitality right. in their soul. Yep. Uh, they're very simple tasks, but people don't do that. So the rock stars, I find that I, I mean, what I've always hired is attitude, not aptitude. I mean, we're not, we're not NASA. We're not trying to send somebody to Jupiter. The fact of the matter is, if you've got the attitude, if you've got big happy, if you've got big love and if you've got big hospitality, I can teach you what needs to be done. Now, you might not become a general manager. I'm not suggesting that. But I can usually transform enthusiasm into adequate skill sets. I have employees working for me who've been for, with me for years, many of whom, uh, not many of whom, some of whom really can't take an order. <laughs> but they, they are beloved by the members. And, they, and believe me, they are remembered not because uh, of the, the, that skill set but because they give them the love. And that energy transfer, that love transfer is special. And one of the reasons why I think I've been a success in terms of loyalty, in terms of the, the, the love fest at the club, is that I understand that those of us who are happy in this life exist on what I call a mountain of love. I mean, I've got, whether it be the, the people you work with, the people you work for, uh, your, your husband, your wife. Uh, I mean, I orient every new member, and after four hours with me, and we're talking about life. We're not, tell, we're not telling them where the toilets are, <laughs> but we're talking to them about life's great issues. I mean, when you have that, when you've married all these people, when you've buried all these people, when you've done Santa Clauses, I do it for eight hours a day, 11 days a week uh, during December, wow. you suddenly understand that happiness in this world and success in clubs comes when you are able to appreciate the need for and the ability to develop what I call that mountain of love. It's the foundation of happiness and a good life. And Maybe that's why I mean, I'll be a member of the Beach Club until I die, <laughs> because I have that mountain of love. It's a big deal to me. 
No, it so, shows through for sure. I know you're a proponent of longevity as a, as a manager. So when it comes to club managers, can you explain a few of the reasons you think it's so important? Absolutely. First thing is our business is about relationships and community. What you should do as a manager is search until you find a community, if you will, of like values. Like ours is family-oriented, casual, fun, very athletic, health and fitness, whatever it might be, Uh, achievement-oriented. I mean, it's all education-oriented. Those are my values, my core values. So all of a sudden you find a community that has your core values, which means, first of all, you have to know what your core values are. And then when you find that club, you say, okay, now I need to develop relationships. And once you've developed those relationships, and I call it the rule of five, it takes about five years to do it. The question you ask yourself, how could you give up these relationships and the relationships you develop within this community, this tribe of people? Uh, why would you want to? And I talk to people, I say, oh, I get 20% more money. I said, look, I bicycle to work. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, at some point in your life, it's not about money. It, 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 what is it about? When you go to their grave in that millisecond before you die, are you going to look back and say, God, I'm so glad I've got an A8 to drive? Nobody will give a good goddamn. So you sit back and say, what will you, what will you hope? The greatest hope that I had as a club manager is that when I die, the club members will come to my funeral. Sounds crazy. But that is an affirmation of why I am part of that community. Again, we have 650 members. We had 1,100 members coming to the club in the middle of winter to say, Greg, thanks and goodbye. And I guess that's the ultimate statement, right? That Absolutely. They didn't do that because, oh, you've made us tons of money. And, yeah, I've done all of that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody cares. What they care about is did you impact our lives in a special way and have we a bond with you and a relationship that is transcendent? That's what, that's what it is. And so I, 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 I know managers, they don't find the right club and this and that. Uh, but I would say the minute you find that community – Lay down your roots, you know, create those relationships, enlarge your life through the relationships and the community that you've created. It's a very big deal for me. Isn't that wild? It's, it's just, to me, it's a life force. Boom. And uh, so I, I listen to these managers that, you know, they, they move around all the time. I'm shocked that, the, 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 I don't know what the statistic is now, it was a, a number of years ago, that nation, nationwide, managers only uh, stayed at a club for 2.5 years. Wow. And I sit out there and I, I scratch my head. I said, God, in two and a half years, I barely get to know people. Sure. And uh, I don't know, I, but I, I, I have loyalty built into my genes as well. One of the things I'd say is if you do, I, I've been loyal to my wife for almost 36 years. We've been married. The house that I'm in for 33 years, uh, the same club, 33 years, you know what I mean? Loyalty is in my genes as well. But uh, the, the rewards that you get from finding the right club, finding the right community, and creating a loyal relationship to it is that it will enlarge your life in ways that the moving around can never do. It's hard to execute I, I, a plan in two and a half years, I would think, as well, right? What's, what's that now? It's hard to execute a strategic plan or a vision oh. of the club in a two and a half year period. 
You can't do anything. An interesting issue, and I'm glad you brought that up, because I know that if I had a short-term perspective on the Beach Club and I wanted to polish my resume, there are lots of things I could do that in the short term would make me look like a hero. Oh, I could save you money. I could do this and that. The problem is it would not be the club that you would be proud to be a participant in for the next 33 years. So I think that's always the temptation. If you're looking to the next job, you look at the job you're on as a short-term expedient. What can I do here that will enhance my resume? And, you know, when you talk about resumes, I mean, you talk about virtues. There are resume virtues. Look what I've done for you. And the things that I saw on the weekend, and I wish you'd been there. I did a slideshow presentation indoors afterwards for about 200 people. What you're really looking at and what you really want to speak about on that last day as I did at the club is what I called your eulogy virtues. You know, that I'm on this mountain of lava, whatever it might be. That's what you want people to talk about when you go to your grave. In terms of the uh, resume virtues, oh, I made them so much money and I cut the cost of sales of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that's good. But nobody gives a good goddamn when you go to your grave. You see what I mean? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they really don't give a good goddamn. Terrible thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, Greg, every industry evolves to some degree and the private club industry is is definitely going through some rapid changes. How is that affecting the role of the general manager? How is that role changing? Well, well, huge. One of the things is I think the big switch that's taking place is that it's not golf-centric anymore. That golf, and I'd like to say the golf course is really an entertainment center. Golf is played there, obviously, but people have to look at it differently. Managers have to look at the club experience and emphasize the club component. How do you create relationships and community? And how can you develop a basket of goods and services, good services, programs, and facilities that satisfy the entire spectrum of member needs? And that is the family needs by way of example. The Beach Club is hugely successful because the whole family can come down on Saturday and Sunday Papa's doing one sport, mama's doing another sport, the kids are dealing with the uh, you know, the Pied Piper coaches that I have, and everybody comes together for dinner, and they have a family experience in the same location. Uh, so you can have Pilates going over here, you have the pool complex going over here, uh, you have golf going over here, you have the putting contest over here, you have all of those things. But the other thing that has to change, the manager is the ringmaster now. He is the entertainment center. They talk about being COOs, I really don't like to call my. I've never called myself that. I am a club manager because there's no CEO that my wife knows. She's in the oil business. There is no CEO that she knows that could be a club manager. We are a unique animal. And managers have to accept that they're not COOs. Their club managers this unique thing where you're a business person, uh, you're a maitre d', uh, you're a dancing monkey, you're a philosopher, uh, you're you're the reverend, uh, you're the, uh, the the swim coordinator. You're all of those. Santa things. Claus <laughs> for twelve Santa hours a day. <laughs> I love Santa Claus, and, and nobody understands that. To think that. I give an example. This year was the last year I'll be doing it, and it was packed. All of it. We don't open it up, Santa Claus up, until after Labor Day, the Wednesday after Labor Day, Monday, and it was gone by the end of the week. Every swap, and the last one that I did, they have been coming to Santa. I've done it for 25 years, 22 years. You know, these guys are six, five, big stud boys, and they come every year because we sit and we talk about 
the journey that they have experienced in the last year. And so at the end of that, we sat around. I took off the, the, you know, the hair and the ice packs because I have to have ice packs on. And we sat there, all 10 of us, for an hour and a half drinking champagne and reflecting on life. And I'd done the grandfather's funeral service three months before that. It, powerful stuff. So mm-hmm. Santa Claus, people talk about Santa Claus as a dancing monkey. I talk about Santa as a philosopher, a parabolizer, much larger than just a, a guy with the, uh, an outfit on. And I think that's what managers have to become. In order to be truly effective, they have to tap into the profound. And that means they have to become philosophers as well as kings. Kings get stuff done, but philosophers tell you why the reason, tell you the reasons why you doing the stuff you do. And if, if you got that, people will follow you. And you'll have a love fest. <laughs> <laughs> I love for, it. <laughs> for years and years. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, man, I could talk to you for hours, but I know our time's getting short. So I, I have basically two more questions for you. Uh, the, the first being club demographics are changing. The millennials right. are coming into the clubs. How can clubs transition these younger members without sacrificing the tradition that the older members are accustomed to? Oh, to me, that's easy. First of all, young people want the same thing everybody's wanted. They want the buzz, the love, and the glow. They want it delivered in a different way. Old people want the same thing. So the young people, we just have to get outside of the the constrictions that we've lifted. It's like, oh, the old people won't want it. The young people want what they do. The average age of the beach club is 63. It's an old club, if you will. But yet we have one of the most vibrant, younger programs that we have, this group called the BCJVs, Beach Club Junior Varsity, under 40s. I love going to their committee meetings. I feel like I'm 18 again. They, they want to do wild and crazy stuff. And a Beaujolais night where we do wild and crazy things, uh, the beer Olympics, Looney Tunes stuff. And they're all superstars. They're, Indian, uh, they're, they're doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They want more buzz per minute. Right, and I think that's one of the problems with golf. People, golf is slow. It's methodical. Fabulous game. Golf is fabulous, but the younger generation wants things that whack them more. You know, they want—I call it big boom. They want more boom. Yeah. They want more zings per minute, and we as managers have to be able to deliver that. At the same time, we have to take care of our older members, and that's where a manager must be. You have a broad spectrum personality. I can sit in a BCJV meetings; they don't even want to meet without me, and it's Looney Tunes. But yet, I've got all these ninety-five-year-old people that love dealing with me. On the other end, you've got your managers, and what managers have to do is be able to deal with that spectrum. They have to accept that part of what they're doing is dancing monkey, and those young people want it. I mean, I have these lawyers. I mean, these guys, these heads fund guys, 30 years old and unmarried, right, in my BCJV group. They make a million, a million five a year, right? But what do they want? They want to connect with something that enlarges their life, that is, have some wild experience, and connects them with people. So all this electronics that are going around, great. I love them because they bring them down to the club because ultimately people want to connect with people. So those people want the same thing the older people do. They just want them delivered in a different way. Managers got to figure out ways of segregating those experiences so one doesn't interfere with the other. Mm-hmm. So the key thing is to use the entire club and the entire golf course in much more creatively than they've used it in the past. 
And again, like I was saying, the golf course is an entertainment center. The minute you th- see that, I was saying, God, we're going to have our BCJV group or our, our junior varsity group. Uh, on uh, Tuesday afternoon, we're going to have balloon rides on the third fairway, and we're going to do crazy things and beer fest. You know, it, it, and people say, oh, we can't do that. Of course you can, but managers have to lead the way. And what I will say is that managers must accept that we are activists. We make stuff happen. So I'd like to say, again, I'm big into nudge to influence those who make decisions to make decisions consistent with my vision of the good. It's terrible thing to say, but I want to believe as a professional, I have a vision for that culture because I understand the club culture, certainly the one I'm in, and I can help them get to a future that they don't know how to get to, but I can help them get there. It's exciting stuff. That is exciting. What's your vision for the future? Oh, for for mine or the club business? For the club business. Oh, the club business is in great shape. And the reason is we're in an age where the fundamentals of the human condition have not changed. People need people. We are herd animals. And people who need people need eye-to-eye contact with people they meet. No better place than a club. And everybody has a need for tribe, my unique community of people with whom, like at, at the club, at the beach club, you can walk in, you know the staff, you know the members. There are certain tribal signals that you let, how you sign in, what you do, these little insider things that affirm tribe. Everybody wants to be part of that tribe. And when they bring their friends down, they say, God, we want to be part of that as well. The future of clubs is bright as long as they accept that we are in the people business, in the relationship business, in the community business. We build tribe. As a matter of fact, my, my moniker on my, my business, my speaking business, is it's called tribal magic. And again, magic transforms the ordinary into the profound. So I'm into tribal magic. And the, the, the moniker, whatever you call it, about it, creators of big wow and developers of community. And that's what I do. I create community and I create big wow. <laughs> I think you're good at it, Greg. Uh, that's la- what I do. Last, uh, last question here. I-, I ask this to all my guests. I call it the bucket list question. You've been to clubs all over the country, probably all around the world. What is one club that people need to see before they die? Oh, well, it's, it's, it's wild and crazy. I'll give you one. It always comes up because people ask me that. Singapore. I mean, I, I obviously I've traveled a great deal. There is a club, the uh, the cricket club, on the Padang in Singapore, right downtown. Been there since 1852, I think it is, or 1856. One of those, real old. Classic building, right? You look at it and you say, God, I'm in North Burke in Scotland, you know, in one of those classic old places. And if I walk into this place, it'll be dead, you know, and just all these old guys and they've gone to sleep <laughs> in their chairs. And when you go in this place, it's got five bars. I remember when I was there, I was just there recently, five bars and and people are having a wild time. You know, women are around. I mean, it's 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 wild. It, it 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 was so unique and so different. It's like I slapped my head. I said, <laughs> how could this be? Well, what it is, they were tapping into something that the other clubs in that community were unwilling to do, which is to let their hair down. Give you another example. It's the, oh, my mind went blank. It's in Hong Kong. Ah, my mind went blank. Uh, not the polo club. Anyway, I forget what it is. But it was a classic city club, and they were sort of dying. So they said, what we're going to do, and they had real stiff 
dress for us. We're going to make the second floor dress any way you want floor. The place is exploding on that floor. Because people want it, it, and I think what's exciting about the Beach Club is we're a 1923 funky old building that has this vibrancy to it and this energy to it that's exciting. So that'd be one I'd say. Isn't okay. that crazy? I like and it. I'm sure if anybody talks about it, oh, the cricket club is older than that. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> when I was there. <laughs> that's awesome. It's, it's a, it was a wake me up Jesus experience, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so you're transitioning, Greg, uh, from being the club manager. Sunday was your last day, you told us. That is correct. And so what what's next up in store for you? I know you're doing a little writing. Should we expect a book out oh. of you? Oh, well, no, I, 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 my editor gives me 1,200 words, so I've got a, I'm an essayist. Okay. So 1,200 words, a, a, a thing is it. My collection of essays, as you know, is about 650 pages right now of published stuff. Light beach so reading, I, I call it. Yeah, light reading. <laughs> so I'm hoping to do more of that. And I've got 200 articles already outlined that I haven't been able to write. Wow. Secondly, I love speaking. Put me in front of 500 people, and it's like a drug for me. I mean, <laughs> I, for whatever reason, my brain works well when... I'm unscripted. You know, things start flying back and forth. Uh, and so I want to do more of that. But lastly, I want to do more. I obviously be a member of the club. I want to collect, connect even more deeply to all those members. I want to enlarge my journey for even more conversations with more people, obviously to have more time with my wife. I married the person who obviously enlarges my life more than anybody else. Uh, and and um, our 30-minute wake-up morning walk that we do, because I, I wake up, I write, then I read, then we, and it's just glorious. Just talking, talking, talking for 45 minutes. That's what I want to do. So I want to write more. I want to speak more. I mean, presentation more. And I want to uh, talk more deeply to more people. So in the last 20 years I've got, before I am food for the worm, <laughs> I will have enlarged my life journey. And those three ways to do it, because I'm, I'm in what I call the third stage of life. First stage you learn. Second, you do, and the third, you reflect, enlarge, and give back. So I'm deep in the third stage. I'm a happy man. That's excellent. So how do folks find out about you? How do they book you for their next speaking engagement? Well, first of all, just you can email me. The easiest way is at G J P A I R. That's G J Pair P A I R at AOL dot com. And I got that because when I got, I have an airplane, and I called it Patterson Airlines, mm-hmm. and so it's. And I came out with AOL years ago, and I still have AOL paid twenty bucks a month. <laughs> but it's G J Pair. So Gregory James Patterson airlines air at aol.com so that's the easiest way just to get in touch with me and obviously i've got my anthology which is free as you know i just give stuff away i just want the connection so if anybody want to connect with me email me and you'll get more stuff than you ever wanted <laughs> it'll be personal yeah that's, that's excellent greg thanks so much for joining me today i really appreciate having you on the show i like talking to interesting people you're an interesting person Give me a buzz anytime. Thanks, Greg. Have a good one. (laughs) You have a great one. Fantastic, wasn't he? I hope you stopped along the way to take some notes. I know I did. Now, before we wrap up, I have one request from you. If you enjoyed this episode and if you liked what you heard, please share it with a general manager you know would benefit from Greg's great advice. A great way to do that would be to send them an email with a link to this episode. I want to make sure this show gets in the hands of every GM or aspiring GM out there. 
Now, don't forget to join us next week when we welcome Jason Becker of Golf Life Navigators to the show. Jason's going to give you some advice on how to make your club more attractive to members and tell you about what he's doing to provide a matchmaking service for clubs and prospective members around the country. Until next week, here's to your membership success. Just because this round is over doesn't mean you can't enjoy the 19th hole. Check out privateclubradio.com for more. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Shake Creative, the premier marketing and design firm helping prestigious clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit shaketampa.com to learn more.